Hey, folks, I'm Tom. KJ here. You know the drill. We are back to promote the Dunlap Champions Club. They've been a longtime sponsor of Front Row Knowles, and uh, we appreciate that. Uh, And you will appreciate the Champions Club if you have not been there. We've been saying this for a couple of years now, basically since it opened. You need to at least schedule a tour. The season's here. Go in, sample it, find out what you're missing. It is a great place to watch a ball game. Florida State uh, is scheduled for a 5 o'clock kick for their first home game, and I know there may even be some more. So if you want to stay out of the heat, you got that opportunity, as well as food and drink, the ability to get up and move around. It's a great place to watch a contest. It's also a great place to watch other contests because they got lots of TVs. And don't tell anybody I said that because really we want you sitting in the seats watching the FSU game. But uh, you can check on the other games too. For more information, you can call 850-644-1830 to buy tickets or schedule a tour. And now, on with the show. Broadcasting from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles First Look with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles First Look is presented by Hobson Chevrolet in Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. And by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. Online at ctf.nu. Here's Tom and Keith. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Front Row Knowles First Look. Tom and Keith with you after FSU's 31-24 defeat to Virginia in Charlottesville. Keith, I hate when I'm right. I picked 31-24 Virginia in this game, and uh, by golly, that's where we wound up. You want to start right at the end because that's the obvious place. We've got a lot to get into, so let's talk about the last drive. Obviously, a lot of penalties uh, played a part in moving the ball down the field. What was your general impressions, though, as Florida State had time and some timeouts to, to try and get the tying touchdown? Well, I think you have to be fair and understand that there were at least two, maybe three times during that final drive when Florida State was obviously aided by uh, Cavalier mistakes. Uh, without those, um, it's it's arguable FSU wouldn't even gotten past the 50. So you've got to look uh, that gift course and say thank you. They got down at the very end. I, I didn't have a great deal of uh, consternation about how Bryles used his timeouts and the plays that he called. Uh, I mean, they came up just that close in uh, trying to score. Extra point would have made it a tied ball game, maybe go into overtime. Uh, But I thought that drive was aided much more by Cavalier mistakes. Uh, So I'm not sure you can say uh, how well they did or didn't execute. Uh, Just very fortunate to be in that position given those errors. Well, on the one hand, you can look at it and say, well, Florida State runs tempo all the time, so it should be easy for them to do that. But on the other hand, given the deficiencies that are are you know, chronicled with the offensive line in particular, when you're in a have-to-pass situation, it's it's a tougher deal. And uh, Virginia came with pressure. Uh, they were going to get after Blackman, did that most of the second half, and think I'd have to go back and look at the tape, but I would think that's the biggest uh, halftime adjustment that they made. They came with a lot of pressure, and they caught Florida State flat-footed a couple of times and, and, and got some sacks and, and, and hurried some throws. Uh, but again, uh, the way this offense is designed, it fed right into that opportunity, and they did move the ball down the field. They just came up short. Well, they certainly schemed Tamari and Terry open on a double move, and the ball was just overthrown, and that's on the best corner in the ACC and one of the best in the country in, in Bryce Hall. Uh, that's the throw you got to make. It is, and you hate to say that, but the bottom line is when, you, when you're playing a team that you're um, – expected to lose to and you're explaining you're playing them at their place and you've not been playing well particularly in the second half when you get that opportunity uh, you've got to take advantage of it if you don't you're probably going to lose the ball game and that's exactly what happened to Florida State 
Let's talk about the very last play, the penultimate play. Looked to me like Florida State got jobbed out of at least two, maybe three seconds. Would that have mattered? I don't know. But if you play it through, to me it looked like there should have been seven seconds because it was a first down. It it, it, it uh, wound down to four seconds. And it caused a little bit more of a scramble for Florida State to get up there. If it had been at seven, they could have gotten up there, and maybe then they spike the football and have a little bit more time to call something. But you'll we'll hear in a minute that Willie Taggart said they had their play call. Uh, what were your thoughts? Um, I was not paying attention to the clock like you were. I was paying attention to did they get lined up and were they able to get the play off. Uh, I thought the call was reasonably good. Uh, you know, they went to the to, to the direct snap to Cam. It was a very, very interesting play. If you go back and look at the tape, I watched the replays during the right after the game a little bit. Uh, you know, his knee did go down, but it was real close. But the way people started coming on the field, the way Cam continued to try to fight for yardage, it was hard to tell if the whistle had blown. You know, I don't know what you do with all that. There was just a lot of commotion at the end, and Florida State came up close. And how ironic, um, well, maybe not ironic, but... 24 years after the fact, it's a running back trying to get into the end zone in the same end zone uh, as 95 Warg done. Um, that wasn't lost on me either. I thought there was a little bit of karma there, good, bad, or indifferent. Certainly not the same stakes, in the, well, and not the same situation in that Florida State's not the top dog in the ACC, and that wasn't their first ever ACC loss. I was a bit surprised that Virginia fans rushed the field, but it is what it is. I mean, they were... They were favorites. Everybody in the world was picking them to win. They're picked to win the Coastal. Florida State's in a downturn, and yet there they were. Well, that's how starved they are for some success since uh, Mendenhall's been there. I think he went 2-10 and 10 his first year. This is now in year four. They've been to back-to-back bowls. They're in the top 25. They're 3-0, and 0, off to a great start. Uh, they're coming off of a national championship from their basketball team, which was honored uh, that night during the uh, proceedings. Um, so they've got a lot to be thankful for and a lot to be happy about. I, I, I'm like you. I, I thought the celebration was a little much, given the fact that, as you mentioned, you were you were favored. But they're hungry for success and uh, they're happy to have it. And 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 Virginia played a very good ball game. And I think Florida State, um, in in some respects, uh, really gained a lot of respect for Virginia. And 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 I think a lot of the folks in in the ACC are going to continue to look at Virginia very favorably. We, of course, will break down the offense, defense, everything else about this game over the next hour, but let's listen to some of the comments from Coach Willie Taggart following Florida State's 31-24 defeat to Virginia. Tough loss. Our guys um, thought they, they fought hard. and Going down. But we um, didn't finish there in the fourth quarter. Made too many um, mistakes in the fourth quarter that got us in didn't make enough plays and um, gets a tough, uh, tough, good football team. But I thought I got fall hard. Uh, we're going to get back to work and um, see if we can rectify this next week. Questions? Chris? Did you get what you wanted on that last play from a play call perspective? And, you know, if you could go back and do it again, would you do anything different? Um, we didn't get what we wanted. We wanted a touchdown. You know, so no, we didn't get what we wanted, but we, we called a play and there's four seconds left. We didn't have any timeouts. Um, so we, we called a play and it didn't work. Was there a situation where you already had the play called up before you converted the third down? Did you already know what you were going to run if you converted it? Well, I didn't call the plays. Kendall called the plays, but uh, he had the play called and again, we just didn't get it done. 
what was the explanation for the officials on on the clock at the end of the game after Keyshawn's uh, first down? Well, he just did it, the clock stop, and as soon as he spot the ball and blow the whistle, it starts back. It looked like there was actually six or seven seconds, but it ran down to four without changing anything uh, in decision making. Or? I won't necessarily say it would have changed the decision, but uh, yeah, we're trying to get the play call in and try to get lined up with what was up on the clock. So, uh, like I said, it just didn't work. Obviously, there's no moral victories, but but are you proud of the way the guys played first game on the road, battled back from some adversity? I thought, they played hard. I thought our guys played hard, but we still didn't play enough winning football um, to, to get the win. I thought they played hard, and it was good to see out of our guys. And, we didn't make some plays there in the fourth quarter that we should have made, uh, that we have to make in order to, uh, again, win the ball game. But I thought they, they played hard and gave ourselves a chance to, to win the ball game, and we just didn't, we didn't get it done. Did you feel like the defense wore down at the end, or did you feel like there were just mistakes? Um, I wouldn't necessarily say they wore down, but there were some big mistakes there. Know the one drive, I guess that drive where they missed a field goal. Their um, two plays extended that drive. You know, only two penalties mm-hmm. extended that drive. And again, those those are things you can't do. That's losing football. We got to play winning football in the fourth quarter. We can't have those. And we can't have them in at all. But uh, gotta get better. Sometimes you, you've emphasized over and over, even coming into this week, I guess, down a stretch, do you feel like guys didn't get tight? Or just, why do you think they break down mentally playing the game as far as penalties in the state? Um, that's a great question. I think, um, I don't know if they got tight or it could be. I mean, the game was close. and um, But again, when it comes to those selfish penalties, that just that can't happen. You know, we just can't have those things that, that's killer's football team. You know, we got to. We got to do more in practice. We got to do more from a punishment standpoint for the ones that do do the selfish thing, you know, because it's uh, killer's football team. If we get better at those things, I think you're going to see a better football team. The defense played really well, at least in the first three quarters. You know, what um, what made the biggest difference from the first few weeks to the first you know, three quarters of this game? Um, I thought we did a better job of stopping the run. You know, I think whenever you can um, slow them down and run the ball, it gives you a chance. We didn't do a good job of in the passing game like we should have in this game. And, um, they played better, but again, we, we still can be better than what we're at. Yeah, um, some, some big sacks late. Um, is that uh, protection or is that James not getting rid of the ball quick enough? Or uh, no, it's more protection. I mean, guys coming in and we, we didn't get, we didn't block them. You know, uh, it was more of that than anything. It's a good football team. We saw a lot of the motion there down the stretch as guys would come off the field after the game. Is moving forward, how do you how do you keep this kind of loss from, from breaking the team? Well, we um, have nine more ball games, you know, and this one hurts. Um, everything we want to accomplish is still ahead of us. You know, we got to be so much better if we're going to accomplish those things. But still, right there, you know, we're one and three, and you say we got nine ball games, and we know we got to play much better. We're going to have a chance to win those ball game, but uh, they're there in front of us, you know. So um, to fall apart, or anything that's there's no need for that. I mean, we we got nine ball games the early season. Again, we got to play better. We got a game next week at home. We got to go take care of business.
what's the early work Josh Kane done? We saw him on crutches there late in the game. Yeah, um, I know he hurt his, his ankle. Um, I didn't talk to Doc there after the game yet to know the extent of it, but I know it was his ankle. Not a lot else to say. I mean, he did harp on things that uh, we, we've heard and and we've seen, and they need to get fixed, and that's penalties for one. And we'll we'll talk in greater detail uh, about that and 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 execution. I th- I thought though that really, and it's only three games. I thought that was Florida State's best effort of the year. And I know the fourth quarter, uh, if you want to call it a collapse, as the defense fatigued. But uh, I, I really did think there were signs of improvement across the board. I, I other than the disappointment of the loss, if you think about it rationally, I too was relatively pleased with Florida State's performance. The defense uh, got fatigued because. That's the style of play that Virginia employs. They had three, I think, drives, 75, 75, and 72 uh, in, the third, in the second half of that ballgame, all for touchdowns. And, and, you know, that's the style that Coach Mendenhall wants to play. They're going to maintain the ball. Uh, time of possession was two-thirds to one-third, and that'll be the case in a lot of games that Virginia plays in. It's kind of a grinded-out type of play. But then you add in the 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 the, the ability that uh, you know Perkins has to create things. I mean, Florida State had him dead to rights five or six or seven additional times, particularly in the second half, on sacks, and he would just spin out or step up or step around. And he's so quick, and he he reminded me so much of Charlie Ward and his ability to feel things in the pocket and to elude. I mean, one time, one time, uh, uh, Taylor was right dead on him, uh, who was a was a safety and a very gifted safety and a very gifted athlete, and he just ran around him. I mean, it was it was like uh, you know Houdini almost. So he he is to be applauded. Uh, it reminded me a whole lot of. Uh, again, as I mentioned, of Charlie Ward and his ability. I didn't think he threw the ball particularly well, but he didn't really have to. He was able to create some things with his feet, bide himself some time, and then made some throws when he needed to. Uh, and they, they schemed up Florida State good. They caught FSU defensively a couple of times with some mismatches, and they took advantage of it. So hats off to Virginia. They had a good game plan. I thought they did too. Let's talk about the defense for Florida State in our next segment as we continue Stay with us. We are just getting cranked up here on Front Row Knowles' First Look. Front Row Knowles' First Look is presented by Hobson Chevrolet in Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom and Keith. Florida State falls at Virginia. The Knowles fall to 1-2 and two on this young season. Third straight year, Florida State's 1-2 and two out of the gate. Tom Block, Keith Jones back with you on Front Row Knowles' First look, and before we get into the defense, Keith, you have something to share. <laughs> if you got a do-it-yourself project that needs to be finished, go visit Ron and his knowledgeable staff at Cornerstone Tool and Fastener to get all your power tool needs. Two locations to choose from, 1110 Stuckey Avenue and 3269 Crawfordville Highway. You can reach them by phone at 580-1200, that's 580-1200, or online at ctf.nu. Okay, let's talk Florida State's defensive performance here. Gave up three points in the first quarter, seven in the second, none in the third, and 21 in the fourth. And so that's what's going to stick out as Virginia rallies. And that's, to me, it's the cumulative effect, and it's kind of twofold. You talked about Virginia's offense and their style, and it's a contrast in styles because Florida State's going the other way. And, and FSU just needs to get a tick better offensively so that they can convert a few more first downs and it won't be two-thirds, one-third. 
it'll be 35 minutes to 25 probably in a best-case scenario, but it won't get as, as out of whack as what we've seen so far this year. Uh, they were just gas. was Florida State's defense at the end. Again, I mentioned those three long drives in the second half. And, you know, this is something in a big picture that uh, Florida State fans are going to have to get used to, Tommy, because you're exactly right. This time of possession under the way Bryles' offense works, you know, the the, the opponent's going to have it 33, 35, 37 minutes. It's just the way it, it it makes himself known since you're going hurry up. So if you if you score quickly or if you have a couple of three and outs, your defense is going to get fatigued. And that's one of the knocks on these types of offenses is it really puts your defense behind the eight ball. The other knock is that instead of having just 12 or 13 possessions, the opponent's going to have 16 or 17 or 18 possessions. So mathematically, if they score on fill in the blank and you give them three or four more possessions, they're going to score why more points. That's just the way this works. But I did think that the defense performed relatively well they just weren't able to convert sometimes when they had uh, uh, had Perkins basically dead to rights and weren't able to get him down with the sack. And uh, hats off to him for his athletic ability and be able to stay out of that. Well, really a great first half for the defense. And listen to the first several drives here. This is how they ended for Virginia. Interception, punt, field goal, punt, touchdown, punt, interception, punt. And then came the last three drives of the game when when the defense was gassed and it was 75, 75, and 72, as you talked about. Um, I, I thought that they did scheme up well, and we can talk a little bit about that. But before we get into that, big, big interception on the opening drive by Asante Samuel because Virginia was moving the football, uh, and, and then all of a sudden, the, the takeaway. And that's what this defense is going to have to do. Um, because if, if you've got a situation when you're going up against that dual-threat quarterback and you're not going to be able to get him on the ground, then you've got to force him to make early decisions and make mistakes. And uh, a couple of times that happened. Uh, that was a huge uh, interception uh, by Asante for two reasons. Number one, they were driving the ball. That was the sixth or seventh or eighth play of the drive. And number two, Florida State had not had any big plays early in the game. Uh, in terms of momentum shifts and that type of thing for their for their for their defense, so you know again, I thought the defense played well enough to win this ball game. This is a very good Virginia club. Uh, you know, Florida State faithful is just going to have to get used to that. This is not your your grandfather's Virginia or whatever the correct phraseology should be. This is a very good team that Coach Mendenhall has been able to put together, and uh, they played a very good game. And Florida State stayed toe to toe with them right till the end. When you talk about the scheme, oh, and by the way, at the end of the the uh, the end of the, the first half, big big interception there too. That was a that was a big swing in the game. Florida State goes down and gets seven, and then doesn't immediately allow points back because Levante Taylor got the interception. And it was a great play by Taylor. You know, I was unbelievably critical of of the defensive backs and the corners in particular last week. Uh, I thought they uh, comported themselves well in this ball game. I thought they played very very well. And, uh, you know, it looked like uh, you, you have to look at the tape and, and, and know the call, but it looked like you know, we'll cover two with Taylor at the safety position and Perkins left the ball with a little air in it and he got right underneath it and intercepted it on the sideline. The scheme play was a 12-yard touchdown pass to Joe Reed, which was the first score of the fourth quarter for Virginia, where Leonard Warner was trying to keep up with Joe Reed. And that was, you know, it was it was the, the defense that Florida State was in and Warner's just not going to be quick enough, really – Anytime you can get an athletic 
back, if you will, matched up on a linebacker, that's a win for the offense. I'm sure Coach Barnett would tell you that that uh, they got caught. They would rather have had you know another defensive back in there. But again, you've got to credit Virginia and their staff. They were able to see what was there and took advantage with a play call and executed it well on that wheel route. And, you know, those things happen when you're playing good ball clubs. You've got to find ways to rebound from them because uh, good ball clubs will make you pay when you come up a little bit short. This next point, not so much scheme, but it is recognition by Virginia right away. Stanford Samuels III went out of the ball game for a time in the fourth period. The very next play, as soon as he's out, they went right at his replacement, who's Florida State's number three corner. He's a freshman in Renardo Green, and he is the nickel corner. So, I mean, he is the guy they're playing more. But immediately, uh, you know, as the nickel, though, he's not, he's not defending the same guy. So they went right there. They hit a 25-, 30-yard pass. The play after that was the one where Green got ejected for targeting. So they went at him twice in a row after Stanford Samuels left the game. And I think you called it correctly. It's good recognition by Virginia, knowing personnel, knowing situations, and then calling plays to take advantage of it. That's a, that's a well-coached Virginia club. Could be a coincidence, could have been intentional, only they would tell us, but it worked out real well for them. So let's talk about the penalties now, because just as Virginia uh, sort of handed Florida State 50 yards of real estate or whatever it was in the last drive, Florida State extended several Virginia offensive drives with penalties. Um, I'll give you my two cents, first of all, on, on two of them. One was the, well, they were both personal fouls, I guess. One was on Robert Cooper swinging the quarterback around. I thought that was a little touchy in that he was already starting to do that in the whistle blue. You're, I can see from the look on your face you're going to disagree with that one. But then the Marvin Wilson one after the touchdown was just guys playing football, and he gave a little push. The guy didn't fall down or anything like that, and I thought it was ticky-tack. But the other ones, the one on green there, if he's not so locked in on the receiver and he's watching the ball, he had a chance to make an interception on that, which would have ended that drive. It would have been a heck of a play. Might have been over his head, but it, 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 he, he could have had a chance on it. We saw a, a Dontavious Jackson, 15-yarder for uh, uh, two of them again. And uh, I think Hamza Nasraldeen had a, had a face mask, which, I, you know, I don't know that a face mask is ever intentional. He was falling backwards, and that was the part of the uniform that he could grab, and he got called for it. Yes, yes, and yes. Uh, the only thing I would disagree, I, I thought, uh, you know, Cooper could have maybe held up. Uh, certainly he gave it a little extra effort in what he did in swinging the quarterback around backwards. Uh, so, eh, you know, Marvin, you know, you just got to be smarter than that. I know they were just playing ball, and I know it was just a shove, but you just can't do that. Uh, D-Jack, he just hasn't played smart all year long. He's He had the personal foul, <coughs> pardon me, actually it was a face mask, on a player that was away from the play. It wasn't even the the, the – ball carrier and then you know there was no reason for him to reach out and hold uh, on the, the the play he got called they were throwing the ball down the field they weren't throwing it on the crossing route it wasn't even on the receiver he was headed at um, he's just not been a very wise and a very smart football player uh, this year and that's why you're starting to see uh, he's getting a little little time on the sideline and stand over there with Harlan and watch things a little bit well Emmett Rice got the start and uh, I don't know what the, the snaps broke down to. It actually looked like the way they split it up, it had to do with personnel packages more than uh, more than just spelling one another in terms of rest. But it probably came out about even. But uh, I, I would suggest that maybe it needs to be 
you know, tilted a little bit more in favor of Rice or Jaleel McRae. And I thought Rice played a pretty good ball game. We didn't see much of McRae, but he's the youngster. You're going to need to get him some more reps and uh, live with his freshman mistakes as he makes them. Uh, but I think you got to move away from uh, the upperclassmen because uh, you, you, you just can't win football games when you've got kids doing those things. Do you think fatigue is factoring into any of these penalties at all? I mean, the fact that they just can't get the other team, maybe it's fatigue slash they can't get the other team off the field. Well, when you say fatigue, I would go one step further. It's fatigue that then leads to frustration. So you're out there, you're tired, you're having to go, go, go. You make a play, make a play, and now you think you got to make another play, and you do a little too much. Uh, fatigue makes cowards of all of us, and fatigue also makes us make poor decisions. That's well said. Unfortunately, Florida State lost a key player on Saturday night in Joshua Kando. Uh, I say lost. I have no idea how long that will be for. Coach Taggart was asked about it after the game. He didn't know. He hadn't talked to the doctors. What everybody does know is that Kando was on crutches and his right ankle was uh, wrapped up or it might have been casted up. I don't know. But I would suggest that it's at least going to be a little while. It'll be a game, if not more. Although I saw, I saw it when it happened. Kalen Brooks, Brooks rolled him up from behind, like you sometimes see with offensive linemen when they're blocking in pass pro. I was afraid it was his knee. Uh, and so the fact that it is, is his ankle may even be a good sign. Now, I know ankle sprains, particularly high ankle sprains, take a long time to heal. But my first thought was ACL when it occurred. And so I was a little thankful it was just the ankle uh, as, as maybe crazy as that sounds. I will say this, and we don't know when Jawan Williams will be back on offense as we wrap up the segment, Keith. But there were a couple areas in the offseason when you looked at the team and said, well, this is not a place Florida State can afford an injury. And in week two, they lost an offensive tackle, and I don't know how long he's out. And in week three, a team that's light on defensive ends, and as part of the reason they've been playing a 3-4, loses a defensive end for, again, we don't know how long. So that's that's the nature of injuries, but it's not the positions Florida State. Not that you want injuries anywhere, but that, that's not the best scenario. Uh, Seminoles have been very fortunate when it comes to injuries and in that there haven't been that many. They've been a little bit unlucky for the exact reason you've pointed out. It's at the positions they can least afford to have them. We'll take a break, come back, and flip the script, talk offense here on Front Row Knowles First Look. Stay with us. Front Row Knowles First Look is presented by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, online at ctf.nu. Here's Tom and Keith. Back on Front Row Knowles First Look, Tom and KJ with you. Keith, this game against Virginia, a little bit different script for Florida State. The Knowles had been all world in the first quarter, the first two games of the year. Better competition in Virginia, really good defense, frankly. And uh, so... Unlike the first two games where, where it appeared Kendall Bryles really had schemed up well and then the other team adjusted, this time around Kendall made some adjustments and uh, wound up with a with a lead of 14-10 to 10 going into half. It was a good start for Florida State. I was very impressed with the way the kids played the first 30 minutes. Uh, the only criticism I would have had, uh, would have rather, is that, uh, you know, with the hot hand that Cam Akers had last week, uh, he didn't have that many touches in the first half. And they did try to go with a Bourne a little bit, and bless his heart, uh, he hasn't figured out that north-south is a whole lot better than east-west. And that's why he's going to not get touches moving forward, because they just can't trust him. He did have the one nice play 
uh, I think on a pass reception or a little screen pass, whatever it was. But uh, that's the only criticism I have of the first half. I thought the first 30 minutes was a very good football game and that FSU's offense played well. Uh, and I liked what I saw out of the Browns' offense uh, in those first 30 minutes. That said, and this is a credit to, to Virginia as well, James Blackman was not particularly sharp on Saturday night in Charlottesville. That was the disappointing part. Uh, he's been completing 71, 72% of his passes. Uh, I think at one point he was two for seven or two for eight in the first half. Uh, looked like he was forcing some things. I didn't think he was real clean with his uh, RPO reads, particularly with Akers. It seemed like the ball was staying in Cam's belly a little longer than it should, and it almost looked like they had some bad exchanges uh, on those reads. Uh, and, and, and James will be the first one to tell you that, that he hasn't played well. He's, that's the kind of teammate that he is, and that's why everybody pulls so hard for him. But he was not particularly sharp in that first half throwing the ball and in making decisions. And I'm not sure if that doesn't need to be evaluated and looked at. Um, uh, we talked about it last week, about whether it's time to go ahead and get uh, another quarterback some playing time, if for no other reason to get him ready in case something happens to James. Uh, but for whatever reason, James has struggled a little bit with his decision-making. And then a couple of times in the second half, he struggled with the physical part. We mentioned the, the overthrow to Terry. Uh, he missed uh, uh, McKeady, or, uh, the tight end, uh, on, a, on what would have been a first down on a key series before, uh, before uh, after that, before that, rather, uh, the overthrow to Terry. Uh, so those were kind of uncharacteristic things for James. We haven't seen a lot of those types of mistakes. Well, and the question is, and, and we don't know this, I mean, we were told that the quarterback competition was really just about dead even all August. We don't know what Blackman is providing right now that Hornerbrook can't. We have an idea of what it is, and I think it's, uh, you know, throws outside the hashes. Blackman's got a stronger arm to probably get him there. Um, but we don't know, and so, and I, and I don't know that the coaches would be looking at that anyway. But those two throws, so we already discussed the one, that he missed Terry on, which would have been the equalizer. And that was a great double move. He was open by 15 yards, overthrew him. The throw to McKitty is a throw that has to be made. And this is where the time of possession uh, gets further out of whack. Yes, Florida State's running tempo on offense. <clears throat> but that first down, even if that's only a minute and a half more, even if you go three more plays and punt, it's a minute and a half more and you've, and you've moved field position a little bit. And those are the areas where, even though the offense has improved this year, it still needs to be a little bit better. To, and, and when it gets better, it will further help the defense. And if you go back and look at the replay of that throw or that miss, he was going through his progressions. And, and this is one thing I've noticed about James and, 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 and needs to be worked on. I'm sure Bryles has picked up on it as well. When he goes through his progressions, when he gets to the third one and he sees that it's open, he rushes the ball because he knows it's the third one and he needs to get the ball out of there. He threw the ball basically flat-footed. He didn't step into the throw, and therefore it was uh, you know, low into the inside. If he, if he takes another three-tenths of a second and sets himself and then delivers the ball properly, he hits that ball 99 times out of 100. But he goes one, two, three, open, get rid of it. Instead of one, two, three, step into it, throw. And, and he just missed it. And he pointed at himself immediately as he looked to the sideline right at his chest. He knew he had missed it. I mean, and that was a big play. Obviously, the last drive was the last drive. You needed that as well. But that was really big. That, that was in the midst of Virginia's comeback. Uh, you know, you mentioned 
Kalen Laburn. And so uh, Laburn really gifted in, in the open field. The reason he's not playing more, A, Cam Akers is, is pretty good. B, his pass pro is not where it needs to be. And C, he bounces all of his runs outside instead of hitting the hole. So they can continue to work with him on the pass pro and hitting the hole. But I do think they did. A, they were smart in that they found a way to get him the ball in space a couple of times. And maybe that's not what you have to do just to get Labor and some touches and relieve the workload on, on Akers. But it's a good thing to try to do. Uh, you know, at least once or twice or three times, and and obviously uh, Florida State was out with without DJ Matthews. He and and Leburn are kind of similar in the that you want to get both of them the ball. Excuse me, uh, in open field. But um, you know, I, I you know I don't take issue with any of those. You got to go with Acres because you know what he can do. You got to spell him every now and then. Uh, I, you know, I have no problem with the way they mixed that. I just wish they'd stayed with the run maybe a little more in that first half. Not sure it would have affected the score, but it would have affected that time of possession a little bit. You know, one of the things, we don't think of Cam Akers as being a big bruising type back, but he always falls forward when he's tackled. And so you can see, you saw it in the third quarter when they gave it to him more. He's the kind of back you don't want to tackle as the game goes further. And I know you you don't think of him as being a 230-pound guy that's that kind of back, but he's so physical that that's the way he is. You know, that, that's that been the case with a number of FSU backs. I go all the way back to Warwick Dunn. Every, you know, everybody talks about Warwick with his, his agility, and, and he had some good foot speed, but, but Warwick was a very powerful runner when he needed to be. Uh, and that's why he played so many years in, in, in the league. And Akers is built similarly, you know, a little bit lower to the ground, uh, you know, big thighs, that, and he works very hard with his lower body strength uh, and, 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 and the ability to keep his legs churning, to be able to run through arm tackles and not get tripped up easily. Uh, yeah, he's a load. Uh, he may not go 230 or 235, but you're not going to be in the cold tub after the ball game if you're an opponent. Uh, when Cam's on the other side of the ball. Let's talk about something I've been disappointed in that I thought was going to be better this year, KJ, and that's the blocking from the receivers. And really I'm talking about on the bubble screens, and I'm talking about Tamari and Terry as much as anybody who's a physical receiver and can block. But we've seen it a couple of times now. Uh, well, just in general, Florida State cannot find a way to have much success on those bubble screens. No, they haven't. And, and I'm not sure... You know, Coach Browse would have to sit down and educate me because I'm not as familiar as I, I would like to be. There's two ways to throw that bubble screen. The one way that Florida State is doing it now is they're throwing it way over to the sideline. They'll line up two or three, and then they'll motion another guy over. Another way to run it is the way that Virginia ran it, where instead of you 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 move up two two steps and then come back for the ball, the receiver actually runs towards the quarterback with the other receivers out in front of him. Because as long as he catches that ball behind the line, you can do a lot of different things with it. I'm not sure why we choose to go the long way. And and we've seen a little bit occasionally with DJ on, on what what you and I would old time used to call the jailbreak screen. Um, I'd, I'd, I'd like to be educated on what the, the thought process is because Florida State has not had success doing it the way they've been doing it. I think the thought process is – get the defense to run the full field you know and and so I would say and we've seen we saw it just before halftime against Boise and we saw it in the second half against Virginia where you go one side and then you go the other <clears throat> excuse me 
if you don't get four or five yards on the first one, I'm wondering if you don't just scrap the second down call and go to something else. Because that's all four times the balls have been complete, but it's four catches for probably four prob- yards. If, if four yards. Might be no yards. Well, the other thing that it does set up, because you got it on tape, the other thing it sets up is Blackman faking that throw, and one of the receivers that you would thought were going to block ends up on a takeoff on a nine route, and you hit them deep. Uh, we haven't seen a lot of that yet, uh, but it is being set up for it, and that's one of the natural steps after that. But you're right. Uh, early in camp, uh, and maybe even to the Boise game, you and I were commenting about how improved the wide receiver blocking had been, but the last couple of contests, they've regressed a little bit. To be fair, Ron Dugan's recently lost his mother and has been distracted, I'm sure, uh, over the last couple of weeks. I know that's part of it, and we all go through it, but that is the reality of it. Uh, I do think you know, drops have not been an issue per se with the receivers, and let's, let's point out that there were, weren't any turnovers by Florida State's offense on Saturday night. That is correct. I mean, it's been a much cleaner offense, and the things that were making us crazy the last couple of years have been worked on and, and adjustments have been made. Offensive penalties, there was a holding in there. There Was was there any pre-snap stuff? Not that I recall. I thought the offense was relatively clean in those regards. Yeah, nothing's coming to mind uh, for me either. So, anyway, bottom, bottom line, Florida State gets 24 points. Uh, we figured they would need a little bit more. I think that's the reality of where we are on this. Florida State, in, in, in most of its games, is probably going to need to get into the mid-30s to get wins. Uh, I think so, and you hate to talk about needing to outscore the opponent, but given where things are right now, that, that kind of needs to be the mindset. 31-24, the final score. We've got one more segment to go. We will do it right after this on Front Row Knowles' First Look. Front Row Knowles' First Look is presented by Hobson Chevrolet in Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom and Keith. Tom and KJ back with you on Front Row Knowles First Look. Don't forget to tune in every Wednesday at 6 for our year-round Front Row Knowles show. Florida State Falls 31-24. We've still got some things to clean up here, Keith, as we uh, finish out this broadcast. But I'll uh, allow you a turn for our performance of the game. It is time now for our Prime Meridian Bank performance of the game. And we're going to salute Tommy Martin, the backup punter. Second week in a row he's had to serve. Had six kicks, averaged 42.3 Per kick, long of 59-3, count them three, inside the 20. So hats off to Tommy Martin. Speaking of performance, Prime Meridian Bank was just named one of the best banks to work for by American Banker Magazine. Want the bank where they greet you by name, smiling faces that offer you coffee and a cookie when you walk in the door? That's what I call great performance. Try my bank, Prime Meridian Bank, member FDIC, Offices in Tallahassee, Crawfordville, and Lakeland are on the web at trymybank.com. Glad you went with Tommy Martin here. That 59-yard punt flipped the field, and the next drive when Florida State got it back gave them the lead going into halftime. I'm going to be honest. It's only a two-game sample size, and I don't know when Logan Tyler is going to be available again. But... Through two games, Tommy Martin has been more consistent than when Logan Tyler has been, it feels like, over the course of his career. Logan has a lot of talent and skill, but it seems like once or twice a game he might line drive one or he kicks kicks it the wrong direction from where the coverage is, and Martin's been impressive. And correct me if I'm wrong, he's been handling kickoffs as well. And uh, not, not kickoffs, he's handling the holding. Uh, he's handled, handling the holds. I'm sorry, the holding. Uh, I was going to say the kickoffs have been uh, something else Logan Tyler normally does have been quite adequate as well. 
Um, yeah, his consistency is amazing. And that, that 59-yard punt probably is one of the top two or three plays of the ball game in terms of, as you mentioned, switching the field and getting FSU out of a hole, changing that field position. And then the defense came in and shut down uh, Virginia, got the ball back with great field position. Offense took advantage of it. Parker Grothouse is who's been handling the kickoffs. And, uh, again, you know, there, there haven't been special teams touchdowns. But when you think about the fact that you've got somebody new doing kickoffs, a new holder, your backup punter in there, and you haven't missed a beat, and, oh, by the way, across the board, special teams play has been much improved this year. Very, very improved in an area that uh, had a lot of attention in the spring and into the fall camp, and you've seen the results. Florida State comes back home now for two games, and then they get a bye week, Keith. So when we did our schedule prediction, and I think most people probably had it this way, I, I had in my mind that Florida State, in, through the first three, needed to be 2-1 and one coming out of it. As we all know, they're 1-2 and two right now, third straight year Florida State's 1-2. and two. Um, To be truthful, I thought they would handle Boise, and I didn't think the Virginia game would be as close. So uh, at the end uh, at the end of the day, they were both losses. But um, Louisville is going to come in here, and Louisville is a team that's rejuvenated under its its new coach and has played well. Uh, there, no, there are no gimmies for this FSU football team, but there are opportunities. And Florida State, if it plays like it did against Virginia – going forward and I know we can talk about the four quarters versus three quarters but if it plays like that it's going to have a chance to win more football games well think about you know what do you want to do in a ball game you want to improve so FSU is is has won the first half of the first two ball games and not played well in the second half they played I thought very well in the third quarter even the defense even though they were getting fatigued so where did this ball game get lost? It got lost in the fourth quarter with three long drives by Virginia because the time of possession got away from you. And that begins early in the ball game. And, you know, if this offense can come out and start fast like they did the first two ball games, and then show some consistency for the entire 60 minutes, and Bryles will be the first to tell you that's, that's the goal. That's what they've got to do. If they do that, then they keep the defense off the field a little bit. They score a little bit more than 24 points, and that puts you in a much better position to win ball games. I think Florida State faithful have to understand that this year is going to be another building year. Uh, there are no quick fixes in the league anymore. Uh, you know, you, you're coming off of a losing season the year before, a break-even season the year before that. You're in the second year of Coach Taggart. I thought this game was one where Florida State, the season, could unfold and unravel very quickly. Now, there'll be those that say we lost the ball game, so it is unraveling. I don't buy that. This game showed a great deal of improvement to me, and it showed kids that were continuing to give effort. We saw the defensive backs make some plays. We saw a little bit better play out of uh, the linebackers. Uh, we saw Florida State with, with the ability to, to – uh, you know, answer scores when they needed to. Uh, Blackman is struggling a little bit, but we see the talent. You know what you've got with Cam Akers. You've got a great receiving core. Even if they're not blocking well, they can still catch the ball. I like a lot of parts and pieces of this team, but at the same time, this team isn't going to play for the national championship this year. You've got to fight for, I told uh, on record, I said this was probably an eight-win team. They may struggle to win eight. It may be seven. But this is a team that's getting better, and unless they regress against Louisville, 
They should come in, play a good ball game. It's a game they should go toe-to-toe for, and candidly, it's a game they should win. Let me ask you about the, the offense with the, with the tempo, Keith. How do you strike a balance between getting better and perfecting your craft and, and sticking with what you believe, which is the tempo, versus maybe we need to take the air out of it this drive to give our defense a breather? You can't play with tempo. And what I mean by that is you can't go fast on one series and then slow it down the next series. You either got to go fast or you got to go slow, in my opinion. So taking situations and slowing down in order to give your defense time to rest, I think gets you out of your rhythm. Uh, I think we got to live with what we've got, see what this offense can do, and that's a decision you make in the offseason as you get ready for 2020. But you're committed to it now. You need to see it through. Well, I would agree, and I would say uh, I, I do think if, if you were further along in your offense, if you had the parts and pieces that you wanted across the board, if you had uh, a more veteran quarterback, and I realize this is Blackman's second year starting technically, but it's three offensive coordinators in three years. Uh, I don't consider him an experienced quarterback from that standpoint. If you had that, then then maybe you can – you can do those things and you can manage that a little bit better. But 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 I agree. If if you're going to be committed to this, you got to be committed uh, and and continue to get better. One thing we haven't mentioned, Keith, is that Jim Levitt uh, joined the staff this past week and he was on the sideline. And uh, you know, in his role as an analyst, he can't coach the players during practice or during the games. But he was involved. He had headsets on and was paying attention and was scribbling notes. And I have no doubts that he will be very actively involved as they game plan going forward. One of the things and the biggest thing that uh, lends itself to uh, working is that extra set of eyes. Uh, Florida State's defensive staff, you know, you get so worked on game plan and so reviewing tape and everything that maybe you miss something or can't see something. Someone else comes in with a fresh set of eyes or a different set of eyes and can look at it. Secondly, with his experience with the 3-4 and his personal experience with coaching linebackers, there certainly can be some things that he can look at the tape and relay to the coaches. Here's how we want to do this differently. And certainly linebacker play has been an issue uh, and, and needs to, to continue to get better as other segments do as well. But that extra set of eyes, that different set of eyes, and then the ability to look at the nuances of the linebacker play and make suggestions. I, I mentioned, and, and I believe this, Levitt's here to coach the coaches. He's here to coach the coaches. He can't have a lot of time uh, with the players. The only time that he can actually interact with the players is during film in the building, uh, either practice or game tape. And certainly I think he'll take advantage of that. But just his mere presence, his suggestions, his knowledge, his experience, uh, and, and, and the ability to help the coaches, I think he brings a lot to the table and Florida State will benefit from it. Anything else we missed from this game? Well, certainly you go into the Louisville ball game, um, you feel a little bit better, but you're still one and two, and it's a game you want to win. The worst thing that Florida State could do going into the Louisville game is to press. Uh, if they start pressing and, and getting back to the old ways of doing things, uh, I got to make a play. I got to be the guy. I got to make a play on this play. Defensively, I got to do my job and somebody else's job. If you start getting into that trap, uh, then this can unwind on you very, very quickly. Stay with what you've done. That this was this was not a bad loss. 
This is a good Virginia team. You played them well. You were right there all the way to the end. Uh, yeah, you got a few gifts on that last drive, but you can point to other things prior to that that just a little bit more here, a little bit more there. You were right there, and you're playing with the, with one of the top 25 teams in the country on their place, and you came up just a little bit short. Don't deviate. Stay the course. Continue to work. Continue to get better, and let's see what happens next Saturday against Louisville. 3.30 kick for that game. He's Keith. I'm Tom. We'll talk to you Wednesday on Front Row Knoll. So long.